0: that way today. It's kind of like my hot tub at home right now, so it's good. So I'm sure Doug has given you instructions for those of you who are being baptized at a certain time. Go out and get changed, and and we'll get ready. So let's get into this sermon. Now, if you're a visitor in particular because of our marriage sermon series, first of all, I want to thank you because uh, this particular message is a life message for my wife and I. I preach a lot of sermons as a preacher and those type of things. But uh, there are some sermon series that I look forward to every year, three in particular. Uh, The Easter Sermon Series, the Christmas Sermon Series, and the Marriage Sermon Series. And I need you to understand something. If you're single in this room this morning for whatever reason, maybe you're not old enough to be married yet. Hello, somebody. Or maybe God has called you into the gift of singleness. There are a few people. Like that. Amen. Or if maybe you are single this morning because you have spo- you've experienced the brokenness of marriage. These messages are as much for you as they are for anyone else. I don't want you to feel left out. Because here's the truth. I'll continue to say it as long as God lets me preach on marriage. Okay? There's not a person on planet earth who isn't affected by marriage. Marriage affects everybody single, divorced, remarried, it doesn't matter. And I'll prove that to you in the next five weeks. Each year, uh, this is the 15th year we've done a marriage sermon series. I have all 15 series if you're ever interested in them saved. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Cassie Wired and, and the team have been working on uh, that particular one, Cherish, I believe. Um, and uh, to try and get some more production out of it and things like that. And you'll see that in the future. I'm going to say some things, parents, in a marriage sermon series... that might make you uncomfortable if your kids are in the room. But here's the truth. If the pastor in the church can't say the uncomfortable things from a biblical point of view... The world is going to tell your children that from an unbiblical point of view. And that's going to be an issue. Hello, somebody. Case in point, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with a school leader. Challenged a decision that was made in a school. And I asked, why did you make that decision? And this school leader said these words to me, and I quote, I thought it would be good to expose the kids... I said, here's the issue I have with that. It's not your job to conduct experiments with our kids. Not your job. Not your job. Your job is academics. And from what I see, based on test scores, you should focus more on that. I said that in the meeting. The church should be addressing these things in its reality. So young people, when Pastor Don says something in reference to marriage or relationship, don't go from here laughing and snickering about it. I want you to take it to heart and hear the truth of what Pastor Don says when he shares on these things. That being said, don't you turn with me and your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, and let's get started. Let's go to work. Genesis chapter 2. Now, on purpose, I designed the titles of each of these sermons for the next five weeks to shock you a little bit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Genesis chapter 2. Let's just start verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked. Everybody say Naked. And we're not ashamed. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking God that you give us good ears to hear the message over the next few weeks. Ears of maturity. Ears of reception. So that the seed that you plant in our heart on this particular topic will grow, produce fruit. that will bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Uh, it might shock you to understand and know that Pastor Don is a creationist. I'm not an evolutionist. I believe in the literal creation as it's described in Genesis. I think there's plenty of scientific effort uh, to prove those particular things. As a matter of fact, for one scientific discovery they make every day that they think this proves the Bible, they make over a thousand each day that proves the Scripture. But they don't tell you that. All of us would benefit from a good trip down to the Creation Museum and experience some of the things that Ken Ham puts out in that particular thing. But I'm an unapologetic creationist. I, I, uh, there was a, a group, a denominational group, who uh, were talking to us as a church about being a part of their group. And so I made a trip to Columbus, Ohio and sat down with those, those leaders. Rod was in the room. Rob Wilson was in the room. And I, in particular, asked some questions about the things that I think are uh, non-negotiable. The virgin birth of Christ, non-negotiable. The resurrection of Christ, non-negotiable. Amen. Creation. When it got to creation, here's what this leader said to me and said, We've decided to take the book of Genesis as a narrative and not literal so that it gives us the opportunity to embrace the scientific community. I said, That's a deal-breaker. We should never compromise the Scripture in order to embrace a lost and dying world. We should proclaim the Scripture so that they see the truth... ...and God can embrace them through the revelation of the truth. It's a non-negotiable. Now, what I want you to understand and why I say that is... ...I want to drop a little nugget in your mind this morning... ...as we start this marriage sermon series. The Bible begins not only with creation... But the Bible begins with marriage. Do you know that the Christian faith, someone asked me one time, Pastor Don, how do you know that your faith is the real faith? I said, because of all the religions and faith on planet earth, ours is the only one that starts in the beginning. Every other faith starts from somewhere else. And in that beginning was marriage. Hello, somebody. Marriage was a part of God's creation process. That's how important marriage is. This morning in our elders' huddle, Mike reminded me of something I said a few years ago. I I, I said, Not only does the Old Testament begin with marriage, but in the New Testament, Christ's first miracle was where? Say it louder. Hello, somebody. There's emphasis here. There's something to think about. Now, every person in this room who's married or wants to be married or maybe has experienced the brokenness of marriage, all those things. And let me just confirm to you, if you've experienced it, God is not done with you. I say God is not done with you. We can talk about that later. But every person wants to... They've got this dream idea of marriage. I love it. When we get with young people and do premarital counseling. And we just see all this, you know... Oh, my goodness. He's so precious. Oh. I love it. Three months later, she's like... Pastor Don, can I talk to you about having him brush his teeth? You know what I mean? Like... Dream idea of marriage, right? Here it is, right? Compatibility. Complete vulnerability. Transparency. Come on, church. Trust. Intimacy. The the dream idea of marriage is, is rooted in, our relationship is rooted in faith and friendship. I know some people who are married who are not friends. Hello, somebody. The dream idea of marriage is amazing, physical. Hello, somebody? All, all the guys in the room was like, yeah, that's, hello? It might surprise you to know this. And I'm going to be bold when I say this to you. All those things that I just listed, your dream scenario for marriage, I want you to grab a hold of this morning. That's God's dream for marriage too. He doesn't want us to settle for anything less. And so, this series that I'm titling Unashamed, uh, and I'm using every, I will not apologize for using any piece of information I can to help share God's heart on this topic. This, 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 I'm pulling together all kinds of info. And I want to be unapologetic when I say this because I want to challenge you. And I want these to be messages that shock you in a way that cause you to not forget them. I want you thinking about them tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. I want you to think about it, right? And, and, And I've titled these messages Unashamed because I believe that God wants to undress some misconceptions that our culture has used to cover God's original beautiful design for marriage. So the next five weeks, I want to discover some truths. God's ideas, God's thoughts, his desire about how you and I can live unashamed in our marriages to experience his plan for our lifetime together as husband and wife. And so I've laid out a couple of weeks, and I'll show them to you here. Uh, Beth's going to help me move through these real quickly. Uh, Amy Carpenter has helped do some of these uh, graphics and stuff. Look at that. Isn't that great? And today's message is naked is good. Undressing the truth of intimacy. Next week, we're going to talk about this. Purpose. Undressing what values most. And the third week, we're going to talk about communication. Undressing the danger of the four-letter word. Starts with F. <laughs> the next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Undressing unmet expectations. Listen, let me tell you something. It doesn't always have to look like what's on the box. And the last week I want to talk about undressing every day. I, I heard a guy. I heard, I heard you, husband. Hey, hey, hey. These are what I want you to expect as we move through these, these next few weeks. Now, I want you to grab a hold of the fact that this series is for every couple who needs faith to believe that the best days of your marriage are ahead. The best days of your marriage are in front of you. The best day, and these are going to be as pastoral as I can be to you. And and I want you to understand, pastoral messages aren't always the messages that slobber on you. Sometimes they're the messages that take a stick to you. Because my question to us is this morning, how can we walk with God if we can't walk with each other? Raise your hands if there are some things that you know now that you wish someone had told you before you got married. Hello, somebody. I've been in my office, my wife and I, with couples, and and we're like, wait, no one talked to you about this? And they were like, nope. No one mentioned this at all. Nope. Come on, church. Church. And I think about our own walk together, my wife and I, and and we're pretty like I mean we're just pretty open about our, our, our marriage and the things we've experienced and how God and how we're still experiencing and growing together and those type of things and and and, and I just I just think about you know my younger self you know like um uh, that that real stuff that stuff that no one told me about before we got married uh, you know if, if and, and I think that if I could tell my younger self. Something It would be this. Don, marriage is a whole lot more complex than you think it is. I, I, I thought I'd get some amen from the guys there. Like, yeah, I, I get it, right? Everybody wants to be the perfect couple. Come on, church. But your illusions about perfection are always unrealistic. I put this up here because I want you to remember it. Maybe write it down. Take a picture of it. Think about this. God's definition about a healthy marriage is different from what we see in the world. And and I want somebody to say amen. Healthy marriage is one that is based on this truth. Naked is good. Let me explain. Are you ready? Y'all not ready. When I use the term naked, you think I'm talking about something in the sexual aspect of things. But there's a lot more to it than just that. Now, don't get it twisted. Physical intimacy in your marriage relationship is a huge priority. But true intimacy requires more than just what happens in the bedroom. The, the idea of a naked marriage is God's idea, not Pastor Don's. I'm not just taking something out of the scripture and trying to rearrange it to make some funny or, 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 or you know, catchy kind of phrase and those kinds of things. Not only is God passionate about our marriage, but the Bible has a lot to say about it. The Bible has a lot to say about it. The biblical truth that marriage or the Bible begins with marriage could not be more plain than Genesis chapter two. It couldn't be more plain. It's right there in the beginning. Am I saying in the beginning? Before there was any baggage. Hello, somebody. We get this beautiful moment. This idea, this picture of what marriage could be. Genesis chapter two. It's intimate, it's open, it's honest, it's vulnerable, it's loving. I mean, the first married couple was intimately connected. The first married couple were strengthened by each other's love. Their relationship was built on a foundation of commitment. Now, you say to me, Pastor Don, that's pretty interesting that you would say that, that they were committed to each other, And and I want to receive that. But here's my struggle. There wasn't anybody else to be committed to. Pretty interesting. Pretty easy to be committed when you don't have any more options. Pretty easy to be committed when you don't have other options. I would say to you, amen. And if you're married in this room this morning... Why would you ever think there is another option? Think about this. They don't have any extra supernatural ability or exception to the rule than you do. When there isn't any other option, hello, church, it's pretty easy to be committed. That's where you need to live. That's where you need to be in marriage. I don't have another option. There isn't any checkout button. I love that that series on the History Channel called Alone. You guys watch it? Right? Some of you watch it. right? I love it. Martin Baker would win that thing. I love it. But see, here's the problem. They got a satellite phone, and they can check out anytime they want to. And so you watch that show, and you see them sit around and whine and complain about what they didn't have, what they don't have, and how they're suffering. But I imagine, I told my wife, you take that satellite phone away from them, they ain't going to complain about not having any water. They're going to get up and go find some. You take the easy checkout button away, and they ain't going to complain about what they don't have. They're going to figure out how to make it happen. See, the problem in the world we live in is it has pitched us a lie so much that we believe it to be a truth that marriage is disposable because we've got other options. i got to move on because we got to do baptism. Naked is a beautiful picture of what God wants our relationship with Him and each other to look like. This world wants to pervert nakedness. And that's why we struggle with intimacy. If you can't be vulnerable in marriage, where can you be vulnerable at? Here's the truth. We fear intimacy. You know why we fear? Because we're ashamed. Someone really knew me. They really knew what I thought. Hello somebody. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bless you right now. I, I, do, I am not Tigger every day. There are some days I got a bad attitude. There are some days I just ain't happy about things. There's <laughs> I think she might need to teach children's church during this series. There, there are some, there are some, there are some guys in this room who, especially, uh, I, I wonder how they still love me. Hey Amen. I do because I sometimes I hadn't even been nice. And, I remember, I remember sometimes. I don't have time for that. Here's a truth I do know from sitting with people over the years and even in my own life. Shame's hard to verbalize. Because we don't, we don't like what it makes us look like. Come on, church. Let's just be honest. Something shameful has happened. It's hard to verbalize. it. It's hard to talk about it. And then because we can't verbalize it, we live with a secret and God never created us to live with secrets, especially husband and wife. Society teaches us that it's not about the marriage, it's about the wedding. Here's the thing, young couples are going to get married. They're planning a wedding. They spend a year or more planning a wedding. They spend more money. Hello, somebody. On a wedding. I get more phone calls from the parents of those young couples about the wedding. And what breaks my heart is I never get a phone call from anybody who cares about the young people getting married, about their relationship. How can we help them? What can we be in their life once they get married? How can we be mentors to them? How can we make sure their marriage is successful? All I hear about is some stupid ceremony that's going to last about 25 minutes and cost about $20,000. What? And we wonder why they're not successful. I've heard brides come to tell me to say, I'm 21 years old and my mom wanted to talk to me about sex on the day of my wedding. She didn't talk and I literally looked at my mom and said, Mom, it's a little late for that now. I love weddings. Hello, somebody. Who doesn't love weddings? But we spend more time planning a wedding than we do preparing to be married. We send more conversations. There's more stores and shops about the wedding than there is anything about equipping people to be married. And then when a pastor gets up and starts to share a series on marriage, people are bored out of their skull. Months, sometimes years, and countless dollars are spent on weddings. Imagine what it would look like if we spent that time and that money on the marriage. Man, I'm telling you right now. Do you, do, I'm going to ask you this question. I asked my wife this question, and we actually could not remember. I remember a little bit. I remember a specific thing. Do you remember the first time you told your spouse that you're married to right now that you loved them? Do you remember that? Come on, raise your hand. If you could just, like, I remember that moment. Was that awkward? Was, that, was it, like, Unromantic? I mean, it should be one of those moments where, Lisa, was it on romantic? Not my Lisa Hawkins. Huh? It was just as bad as the wedding proposal. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Ronnie's ushering. He has no idea what's going on. I remember like my wife and i were dating and i just we were i mean we we're just dating and i i just saw her her birthday's in may and so that's emerald and so i saw a, a a little ring it had a little emerald on it it was not very expensive at all and and i just thought oh we're dating it's a nice gift and, and that kind of thing and and so i bought it for her just to give it to her as a gift just to hey here it was no nothing right like and so i can i'm proud of myself trying to be romantic dating this woman and that's what i appreciated about her too is she was a woman she was a no drama mama i i can't deal with drama i can't i walk out of the room don don't do drama you never forget the four d's i just can't i can't so i bring this ring to her i open it up i'm proud of myself and I'm going to give it to her. She looks at this ring. You know what she says to me? You've heard this story before probably. That's not an engagement ring, is it? Because <laughs> if it is, I don't want it. I quote. I mean, talk about bubble pot. Like, I mean, boom. Right? Like, pow. Like, just melting away. Like, Wow. I, no, no, I just saw, I thought it was not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, she still has that ring today. Can you, do you, I want you to take that moment now and, and put yourself into place the first time I'm going to look at this woman and say, you know what, I, I love you. Dude, I mean, you, you, think, you think the stake went through the heart with the ring, boy, you, you, imagine what I was expecting. Right? Like machine guns blazing, right? Like, what you, are you crazy? I, I remember, do you remember? I probably was so old and romantic, it probably just came out. It probably was that moment, right? Like, where you're trying to verbalize, right? Where you're at there. It is, but it didn't come out right. It didn't work right. It was just as bad as the proposal. Hello, somebody, right? Like, it's it, it just, the, the, but it's the first time you were truly vulnerable. If you're like me in that moment, let me tell you what, when I, when I gave Lisa that ring just as a gift, if you know what I felt like? I felt like I was standing in, front of, in my underwear in front of everybody in the world. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think I've ever been attractive in my underwear. I just, I, I'm just being honest. I bet not many of us do. The more of our body we can cover up, the more attractive we feel. Here's my point. Vulnerability is not something that is divined by words alone. It's a choice each day to live naked or without secrets with our spouse. Everything changes for the better when we are committed to being vulnerable with each other and being secret free. I see a secret free relationship is very, very it creates like a, a foundation of commitment to each other and to God. This is why in the beginning the Bible could tell us that they were naked but unashamed. It it had less to do with their physical coverings as it had to do with their openness in life. Come on, church. Um, I'll, I'll just read you a scripture here. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, uh, verse 12. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Be honest. How much time have you actually spent thinking about the meaning of that verse? Oh, we see it in the weddings. We see it here. We see it there, right? Right. But here's the truth, the longer Lisa and I are married, and the longer and more time that we sit down and spend with couples, the more we see the truth of this verse play out. Some years ago, I shared during a marriage sermon series, six values in mine and my wife's relationship. They don't have to be yours, but you need some values. And One of those was this our personal relationship with Christ. That's a value in our marriage. We understand now, going through the first five years of our marriage, which we've talked about at length, was was not real good. It was pretty bad. As as a matter of fact, this is our testimony. Six months into our marriage, she was packing her bags and leaving. And I was like, well, you better pack mine because I'm going with you. She's like, no, you ain't. Sick of you. When we gave our heart and life to Christ through that scenario, we began to understand that the primary strength of our marriage was our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we made church a mandatory part of our life. As as a matter of fact, what happened is in the resolving and, and fixing of our marriage, we decided that everything in life would revolve around our worship. Come on. And church activities instead of church activities revolving around everything else in our life. And there were not a lot of people who understood that. And as a matter of fact, some of our family actually said, man, all you guys do is uh, is go to church. No, you don't understand. I love that woman and I want to keep my marriage. And God is fixing that because of this commitment. And there were men in that church who didn't play no games and who made me grow up. Come on, ladies. Don't ever worry about protecting your husband from a dude in church. Don't. Leave him go. Let those guys deal with his heart. They're not trying to be mean. They're calling him up to something. I I just got to see Pastor Rick last week for a couple of days. I love it. It just reminds me, right, of of the foundation. And, you know, it's... It's, it's a wonderful thing, and we just talk about some of those old times and what God was doing, and now how that's transitioned into so much more than we ever thought it would. And, and it's, it's just unbelievable. But That guy was not nice to me a lot of times. He wasn't. But he loved me every day. Every day he loved me. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ as a husband and wife cannot ever be underestimated. It cannot. That's the third string, that's the cord down the center of the two of you being weaved together. He's the strength in it. Encourage one another, help one another in their in your walk with Jesus. Don't criticize each other in your walk with Jesus. In other words, find those areas where you can be constructive and encouraging. Help one another. I love it when my wife looks at me and says, "So what's God been speaking to you lately?" I'm not. She look at me and let you say, "I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not interested in the sermon you're preaching this Sunday." What's God been speaking to you lately? I know you got to preach and you're going to define it that, and that's good. But I also know I believe that God is speaking something else deeper than just a sermon to you. I want to know what that is. Hello, somebody. And I can share things with her that I can't share with you. It's the truth. Because of our walk with Jesus. Listen, when God painted the picture of nakedness in Genesis, He was revealing to us something more than sexual intimacy. Here's the revelation. And it's about this. It's about so much more than just that. It's about having complete transparency and vulnerability and acceptance and intimacy at every level. I'm not suggesting we walk around naked all day. I'm going to do it. Although I think some marriages would benefit greatly from more naked time. That's going to be in one of the kids' sermons notes. I know it is. I know it's going to be there. (laughs) I just want to remind you, parents, that the same Bible you're asking your kids to read has the Song of Solomon in it. And it says a lot more greater things than I just said. Every kid now is going to go home and read the Song of Solomon. It's going to go whoop right over their head. I know it. You need to be more intentional as a spouse. About reconnecting with that true intimacy that Adam and Eve got a taste of. God created marriage to be a transformative force in every aspect of our lives. I didn't put that up there, but you need to tweet it. You need to Facebook it. You need to do whatever you do. God created marriage in the beginning because he knew that that would be a gift to us that would be transformative in our life. I'll I'll tell you right now, marriage is the greatest revelation of maturity you will ever experience. You want to find out how mature you are? Get married. And there's a lot of folk that don't need to get married. What you first need to do is get a goldfish. Once we understand that God created marriage as one of the most powerful transformative forces in our aspects, once we embrace that, our marriage will grow deep in intimacy and vulnerability. I'll tell you this, and I'll say it until God takes me home or until Jesus returns. I will say this truth to you forever as long as you let me speak to you. Outside, outside of Jesus Christ, the greatest transforming factor in my life was the love of that woman. I will say that until the day I die. When everyone else threw me in a ditch. When everyone else put me in a corner. When everyone else said you're horrible. When everyone else rejected me. She stayed around. Sainthood comes in all kinds of ways. Hello somebody. Here's the trend today. Marriages end because of incompatibility. And I need you to understand, it's a myth that divorce is the answer to problems in marriage. I know it happens. If you've been divorced, I'm not putting condemnation on you. God can redeem that. But what I'm telling you is that more times than not, divorce creates more problems than it solves. Let me be clear. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sound like a politician there. You can guarantee when one of them boys is saying they want to be clear, they ain't planning on being clear at all. But let this preacher be clear this morning marriage is not the problem. Marriage is not the problem. You keep falling down, gravity's not the problem. You can't blame marriage for the problem no more than you can blame gravity for falling down. Marriage is not the problem. In fact, I think that marriage is more important than it's ever been. The problem is modern day culture has taken marriage and has gone about it the wrong way. And the reason that I preach to you an annual marriage sermon series is to remind us that we're missing the point. And because we're missing it, families are being built without a foundation. Because we're missing it, we'll accept the fact that someone else thought they had permission to do experiments with our children. Every parent ought to be at that school board meeting. Not calling me. I did my part. I'm just saying. Marriage is the problem, church. I don't believe that any one-time sin or a lack of love is the cause of marriage problems. I don't I just don't believe that. I don't. Let me let me let me let me tell you, you know, some of you know it. My wife and I got married out of convenience. We weren't Christians. It was just a convenient thing to do. She needed a place to live. I needed a place to live. We were dating. Come on. Combine the finances would help a little bit. And this was the deal, literally. She'll tell you, literally, this was the deal. I literally told her, look, let's get married. If it doesn't work, I'll pay for the bus ticket for you to go back to South Carolina. Ask her. Is that a deal? weren't any fireworks there wasn't any slow motion romance come on church there wasn't any beach scenes but i cannot imagine what life would be like without experiencing the love of that woman all these years later we learned to love each other come on church and because of that, there aren't any other options. It's easy to be committed. Come on, church. Marriage isn't the problem. The pattern of behavior is the problem. We get on the merry-go-round of stupid, and we want to blame someone else because they won't get on with us. We don't blame someone else because we refuse to get off of the merry-go-round of stupid. We take on this cable company idea when it comes to marriage. How many of you have cable of some sort? Satellite, cable. Boy, aren't they sweet to you when they're trying to get you to sign on with them? Boy, aren't they? Like, they got all this customer service. They talk to you about all the things, all the benefits, all the things, right? Like, oh, yes, look at this and look at that. And here's what we're going to do for you. And we're going to do this for you. And we're going to do that for you. But when your contract runs out... Customer service goes down the toilet. the prices go up. I called one one company, and and, and our contract ran out. They were going to more than double our bill. I was like, no, you're not. And they're like, yes, we are. I said, no, you're not. They said, yes, we are. Somehow, translator's not working through this phone. No, you're not. And then they said to me, well, Pastor, uh, Don, what would you... And I told them, I'm a pastor. They were like, Pastor Don, what would you like to pay? What I've been paying? Well, we can't do that. Well, I'm not paying this. And they're like, well, if you don't, it'll be cut off. Okay. What happened to that customer service two years ago? We rented a car this weekend, right, from a car rental company. And, and and driving down the road, one of the lights came on in the car. It's a brand new car, 2020 car. And I'm like, you know, I probably should call them and ask them what they want me to do about this idiot light that came on. I, I kid you not, we drove down the road for an hour and a half with my phone on hold. No one ever answered the phone. Now, they were nice to me because they wanted me to rent a car from them and not the other ones when I called. Hello, somebody. But when I had a need, I wanted nobody to be found. We tried to call a couple of other stores. Nobody would answer the phone. My wife's like, what are you going to do? I said, it's in gear. I'm driving. <laughs> you take that cable company idea into your marriage. And what happens is, within a couple of years, all the customer service is And that's when you want to trade in what you got for something new. A lot of marriages are on the hook because of that. It doesn't have to be that way. Marriage should grow stronger with time. Your best days, your best days of marriage can still be ahead of you and not behind you. You can still have what God has promised you. There's nothing in marriage. You can't be worked out. With God's help and with your commitment, God can give you everything you want in marriage. I'm going to preach that until the day I die and you're going to receive it or not. But you're going to listen to me today. You can have what you want in marriage if you will but turn your heart over to Christ. If you will but follow Follow him every day. You can be transformed by the power of the ministry of marriage. You can. If it wasn't so, it wouldn't be in the beginning of the book. Marriage belongs to us, Christians. Marriage belongs to us, not the world. They don't get to define it. They don't get to have it. It belongs to us, and we should take it back. We should take it back. God's already defined it. It's the only book that starts with the beginning of everything that declares the definition of it. Boy, I love preaching on marriage. It's so fun. Naked is good. There's an ability to be vulnerable because of commitment. Commitment. You know why I feel like I can share with my wife anything, even if I know she's not going to like what I have to say? Is I know she isn't going anywhere. That's not because I take her for granted. That's just because in almost 30 years of marriage, she's demonstrated to me that when she had the right and the opportunity to leave, she didn't. It helps. It helps it helps that's the way god intended marriage to be naked without real vulnerability and honesty there can be no real love how many built a fort when you were a kid yeah yeah man I, we did that we did that all the time we did that all the time every one of them fell down They always fell apart. I would build it again. Just did this thing over and over and over and over. You know why they fell down? Because they were never built on a foundation. Many marriages today resemble my old forts. Some marriages fall apart because of a lack of effort. I get it. But the reason most fail is because of the foundation. Husbands and wives are using the wrong tools. Let me read to you a scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been built, founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does them will be like a foolish, and doesn't do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew, and great was the fall of that house. Now watch this. Watch this. From the outside, both those houses look great. A storm always reveals the difference. The strongest marriages are built on a foundation of love and vulnerability and commitment. And the truth of the matter is because of shame in our life, it's difficult to walk in those things. Maybe you've treated each other wrong in the past and you have shame about that, but you don't know how to overcome it. Maybe you've been treated wrong by your spouse in the past and there's been some shame that's applied to you and you haven't forgiven them. I'm going to talk about it in a few weeks and therefore shame remains and there's a there's always a wall that cannot be climbed. It cannot be overcome. See, the idea of naked is good is the fact that there is nothing between us. The strength of your commitment will always determine the strength of your marriage. Somebody say amen. Elizabeth, can you come quickly and just let me have that mic right there. I just want you to read the last portion of what you shared with me during worship. Just just that last portion. Come up here and we're gonna close. Yeah, yeah, just that last paragraph right there, yeah. Just share that, watch, listen to this. The rest is for the women's retreat. Okay. Yeah. Um, When a building that has crumbled gets rebuilt, it is no longer a pile of rubble, but it is restored to its former or more likely a better state. God's work of transformation removes the old labels and the old accusations. Now, Elizabeth had no idea that I had put Matthew chapter 7 in my sermon and that I was going to speak on foundations. And oftentimes we walk away from Matthew chapter 7 and we just think okay one house stood and one house didn't. And we move on. The question I want to ask you this morning is even if something falls do you believe that if it is rebuilt on a proper foundation it can stand when a storm comes. Yes. Yes, I don't care where your marriage is at today. Maybe your marriage is good. Maybe it's not good. Maybe it's okay. Maybe you've got no issues. It doesn't matter. We can always focus on the foundation. Come on, church. Always focus on the foundation. Always fo- From the outside, both houses. Look great. But the storm reveals the difference. And let me tell you something that you shouldn't do when you are focusing on the foundation. Is you should not worry about feelings they're real but you can't build on them feelings are real but you should never let them rule you feelings were never meant to be our compass or our foundation feelings were never at, there are days when my wife hurts my feelings i ain't, y'all think she's just prophetic here I mean, we've got plenty of prophetic people who get up and do the prophetic thing. But my wife is just straightforward, and she's just going to do it quickly and personally. And it's every day in my life. Well, when that finger comes out, I'm like, "Here comes the prophet." Well, it just no marriage can survive unless it's rooted on a solid rock commitment of honesty and vulnerability. You will never experience naked is good in your marriage until you learn to be committed so that nothing stands in between who you are as husband and wife. God wants to create a generational impact through your marriage. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? If you didn't, I'm going to shock you. I think you do believe it. God wants to create a generational impact through your marriage. And let me tell you why I believe you believe it and you don't even know. Because all these little big Christians run around here. If you didn't believe that your marriage could make a generational impact, you wouldn't bother with having kids. I want our kids to leave more of an impact than we ever did. Hello, somebody. Our greatest job as parents is to fade. Let them be greater than who we were. Set them up for greatness. Let them achieve what God has put in their heart. How do we give them something to do and then help them succeed in doing it? What do we do? What does the scripture mean? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, he'll not depart from it. What does that mean? It means that we believe that our marriage is designed by God to have a generational impact. My wife's a Graham. You guys know that. Billy Graham and and her grandfather are cousins. Billy used to come to the, the family reunions. This week, we were in Charlotte. First time ever we got to go by the... Anybody ever been to the Billy Graham Library? Oh my word. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Isn't it great that one man is respected around the world regardless of what religion? Isn't it great? All he did was preach the gospel. Isn't it great that one man was able to meet with every president in his lifetime? Isn't it great? It's just unbelievable. There's a generational impact. Hello, somebody. That's happening, and I didn't really realize that until walking through the library. It takes you about an hour and a half, two hours to go through it. It's incredible. And then him and Ann, uh, they're buried out there. It's great to see it. I encourage you to go if you're ever in Charlotte. It's free. Believing that naked is good will help you with an eternal impact. Somebody say amen. There is no relationship more sacred than your marriage. So Treasure it. Treasure it. Never let anything take priority over your spouse. Never let anything take priority. I will not be the enemy of my wife. Not for you. Not for anybody else. You ask her anything that makes me her enemy. I'll kill it. It's gone. It's done with. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be her enemy. And I, and I believe that statement is so powerful. That, that husbands, our job, right? Listen. Love our wives passionately, lead our children gently, and slay anything that gets in between the first two. Kill it. You ever heard that statement that the violent, the kingdom of God suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force? Yeah, just get in between me and my wife. I get Pentecostal. We like laying hands on people suddenly and without reservation, and you might get prayer around the head and neck area. You know why I believe this? Because nakedness is a good gift from God to me. It's a good gift of God. Do you believe that? Come on, I want you to just receive that this morning. Can I pray for you? Come on, take the the hand of your spouse here. Let's pray. Father, right now, thank you for the beginning of this word and this series. Today in this place, we want to say we are bracing ourselves for these words. Let them challenge us and grow us and cause us to be who you want us to be and experience what you want us to experience in our marriages. God, I pray over the next few weeks, a hedge of angels around our marriages, hold back the hand of the enemy to interfere as we get a bubble, a time for you to speak strategically into them. Heal our hearts and lives. God, for those who are single and those who have experienced brokenness, God, let them feel your presence in such a way that they're encouraged also. They have tools now, not only to apply to their life, but to others around them. Let them, God, if they've experienced brokenness, take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for your good. Help them share the gospel through tragedy, help them share the gospel through redemption. You're not done. For those who are single, God, let them with anticipation take this as preparation and equipping. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, everybody say homework. Homework. Aha! On On the church app where you get my notes for my sermon, you guys know they're all there. I see you copy and pasting them on social media a lot, which is fine with me. That's why we do it. There's homework. As husband and wife, I want to challenge you. Each week, from here on out, take this assignment to heart. Do them together. Do your homework. Take a day during the week to sit down together then and talk about it. It'll all be in there. It's included in my notes. I want you to receive that, and I'm looking forward to hearing the testimony of those things. Amen? Amen. How many of you are ready for the baptism? Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand. Come here.